0: Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our
1: website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Anybody love Jesus in this place today? oh come on milestone can we give jesus the best standing ovation of praise that you got come on let's praise him like it's the last night of prepare 2023 come on praise him like you got expectation for him to do something powerful tonight god we honor you have your way in this place amen amen you may be seated in the presence of the lord Ooh, don't get comfortable. You might be back up again. Come on. Are you glad to be in God's house tonight? I tell you what, I am I am Red Bull excited. I'm expresso-elated. I'm just glad to be back in this house. Do, do you sense the atmosphere of the presence of God in here? I'm telling you. Uh, I've been in a lot of churches, and there's some churches that you got to set the atmosphere, and you got to get your booster cables and wake them up. But I'm telling you, the atmosphere is set in this place. I can feel that you've been seeking after God and taking God seriously. This is the atmosphere where somebody says Halle, somebody else say Hallelujah, Somebody says Praise the somebody else says the Lord. And I love this church and uh, I'm honored to be back. But I really love your pastors. Uh, you cannot fake culture. You cannot fake the spirit of the house. And it is so evident that y'all love Jesus, that you love people, and it's really just reflective of the heart of your pastor. So before I say anything, I wanna give honor to our honors Do due, and thank God for Pastor Jeff and his wife Brandy. Come on, can y'all do better than that and let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them? Come on, y'all, 20 years of faithfully serving and building and loving and standing at the gateway of hell and redirecting traffic. And I'm so thankful for who you are. I I bring you greetings from uh, down the street. I I know, I know Pastor Steve and Pastor Chris said they're honored to be here. I'm more honored to be here because I drove here. Amen. (laughs) I live here in the great country of Texas. So I'm honored to be here. And as Pastor Jeff mentioned, um, God has been doing phenomenal things through our church, Social Dallas, literally been seeing miracles Happen, and uh, he just told me some stuff in the back room in two minutes that's gonna change the trajectory of our church forever. So uh, keep praying for us, keep believing for us. If you know of a building somewhere in South Dallas, holla at your boy. Uh, <laughs> we were in five different venues uh, just last year. Uh, we play How uh, to Go Seek every single Sunday, find it a venue. But but God's doing amazing things. But I want to jump straight to the Word of God. I have an assignment to preach. Uh, this word tonight. Are you ready to hear it? Yeah. Come on, can I see your hand? Have you never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand if you've never heard me preach before? Oh my Lord. That's almost everybody. Okay. Quick disclaimer, quick disclaimer. Uh, there are some preachers who are very calm, who are very quiet, who uh, stand behind a podium or a circular table to softly pontificate the processes of philosophy, eschatology, and soteriology, and they would consider it uncanny and boisterous for you to say anything while they're preaching the word of the Lord. Um, I'm not one of those preachers, okay? All right, y'all gotta help a brother out tonight. I am a hollerback preacher. Come on, it's night number three. If you are feeling what I'm saying, say amen. <laughs> say preach that. You can stand up in the middle and say, mm, that was for me. <laughs> you can stand up in the middle and go, ooh, that was for you, for real, you needed that any one of those will work Uh, just be verbally engaged Uh, let's go to acts chapter 16 tonight acts chapter 16 i want to look at verses 16 through 18. acts chapter 16. we'll start at verse 16 and land at verse number 18. this is my second time here so i really do feel like i'm a part of the family and i may as well show you my family i'm married to the finest woman on the planet taylor madu and we have three beautiful little mocha kids can y'all put my fam up there come on That's the Madhu crew. And uh, I don't go anywhere without their permission, so I'm glad they released me to come tonight. Acts chapter 16, starting at verse number 16. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. Yeah. If you need some time to find it, say, hold on. All right, see, three days in the fast. Y'all got it. It says, once, when we were going to the place of prayer, We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so Annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Who Can you say amen? I could read more because it gets gooder and gooder and gooder. I know that's bad English, but it does. But spoiler alert, that young girl's liberation led to Paul and Silas's incarceration. And even when they were in prison, they found out that just because you're in chains, it doesn't mean you can't have church. And they started praising God. And that praise provoked an earthquake to shake the foundations of that prison and everybody's chains got loose, but none of that is what I want to preach about, but all that is good. It's it's this verse right here in verse 18. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so annoyed. That's what drew me to the text, annoyed. And on this last night of prepare, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to give you half of my title right now and the other half I'll give you at the end. So if you leave early, you're gonna be confused, okay? I'll give you half now, half later, but just, just for now, I, I wanna to talk to you from this thought. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. Would you look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best, and just get in their space, get in their personal, personal space. Just get in them and say, neighbor, can I be honest? Some of y'all are not talking to your neighbor. You act like I can't see you. I can see you. Come on, even Hazlitt. Come on, McKinney. I can see you too. Online in your bathroom. I see y'all there. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. I'm annoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray and go into this. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts tonight. Amen. Oh, I forgot to mention. um, I'm here with somebody on my team, Clinton. He's an amazing part of our team and our church, but... Also, my father, Robert Medu Sr., is here. Dad, would you stand? That is my now. Dad, stand up again. Come on, Dad. Stay standing. Stay standing. Some my pops. <laughs> I love it. You know why? He's annoyed. My dad is from Nigeria, and every time I preach, he says, don't say anything, don't make me stand up, but I got the microphone, <laughs> and he, he's annoyed. He's annoyed right now, and him being here with me actually takes me back. It takes me back like 17 years ago to a ministry moment that is indelibly etched in my mind. I'll never forget it. I just started off traveling and preaching the gospel and I got an invitation to preach at a particular church for their weekend services, for their Sunday morning services. I was so excited. I was so excited because I had preached at this church to like their youth group several years. And now I'm getting the call to go to big church, big church. I was like, your boy made it. Your boy made it. They are calling me to preach Sunday morning. I'll never forget it. And I got the itinerary before the weekend. And I'm going over the itinerary. And I noticed something on the itinerary that arrested my attention. It was my accommodations. I noticed that they had me staying at a motel. A motel. I said, you know what, okay, it's fine, it's fine. I'm there to preach the gospel, it's no big deal. I hadn't even seen the motel yet. Let me wait till I get to this motel before I start freaking out. I get there and I'm riding with the pastor and he pulls up to the motel and when I tell you it was a mo, Tell it was a mo. Tell everything on the exterior of the building. Let me know that there was nothing on the inside that I want to see or I need to see. It was so scary. The pastors dropped me off. I'm looking at him like, please, please don't leave me here, man. Please. He's like, yeah, this is where you're staying. This is where you're staying. He hands me the key to my room. Hands me the key to my room. He hands me the key to my room. Not a card. A key. A physical key to my room. And I open. up. Up this motel. Ooh, I'm telling you, y'all, it looked like a scene from CSI. Just 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 the pungent odor immediately hit me in the face. And there were stains on the carpet and stains on the drapes and stains on the bed. It was terrible. There was a family of roaches in the corner that looked at me like, Are you gonna stay here for real? Are you gonna sleep here tonight? It was horrible. I said, What am I gonna do? I can't sleep here. In this motel. And so I panicked, I panicked, but I noticed that up the street, up the street, that there was actually a hotel, a hotel with like a half a star more than this. I said, you know what? I, I could go there. I could just go up the street. I could go there. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. I, I could go up the street. Only problem was the pastor dropped me off and he was picking me up in the morning for church. So I said, wait a minute, if I go up the street to the hotel and leave the motel, when he gets back in the morning, it's going to be an issue. I don't want to offend anybody. I just now made it to the big leagues to preach the Sunday morning service. So I said, look, let me call my father. And let me ask him if it would look bad if I switched to the hotel instead of the motel. Worst decision of my life. I called that man. I called my Nigerian father. I said, Dad, uh, hey, I don't know if you can smell this through the phone, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm in a motel and it's bad and it's bad and, and, and I, I want to switch to the hotel but I don't want to offend them. Do you think it would be bad if I switched from the motel to the hotel? And that man said to me, huh, are you serious? Oh, you see, I cannot believe that you are saying this to me. What do you mean, would it look bad? What do you mean, would it look bad? Of course it would look bad for you to do that. Don't you understand? You are just there for one night, son. Just one night. Who do you think you are? You are not there on vacation. You are there to preach the gospel. Surely you can stay there for one night. Oh, y'all clapping. I was annoyed. He said, "If the Apostle Paul could be shipwrecked and beaten and whipped for the gospel, surely you can stay in a motel for one night." Hang <laughs> up the phone. I said, All right, all right, all right. Stayed there for one night. <laughs> I was mad. I was annoyed. And I didn't get it then, but boy, do I get it now. I get the wisdom of my father. I now in retrospect understand that he was not saying he didn't feel the pain of my situation, nor was he advocating for me to stay in nasty motels. But what he was doing in that moment was trying to get me to look at my circumstance through the lens of my purpose. He was trying to get me to look at what I was going through, through the lens of my divine purpose and the assignment and the call that was on my life. He was trying to get his son to understand that the gospel you are preaching is eternal and the place where you're staying is just temporary. So you need to learn to look at your circumstance through the lens of your assignment. Can I tell you, there is nothing more powerful than a believer that has learned to look at their circumstance through the lens of their purpose. If you don't get anything else, I say tonight, please get this, that I know you on a spiritual high, you feel real good. I mean, come on, you fasted three days, you floated in here today. You can't wait to have communion tomorrow and it's gonna be awesome and it is gonna be a great year, but how many know this year might hit you with some low blows, it might hit you with some pain, and some valleys. And if you can learn to look at your circumstance through the lens of your purpose, it will change your life forever to learn to look at what you're going through, the way God sees you. That yes, I might be going some things that, through some things that I don't like, but God is going to work that thing for my good. Even if it doesn't work out, he'll work it for my good. I've got to change my perspective to look at this through the lens of my purpose. Put a purpose on your perspective in spite of what you're going through oh and if there's anybody that could teach a master's class on looking at your circumstance through the lens of your divine purpose and assignment is the apostle paul Oh, the Apostle Paul could teach you about looking at your circumstance through the lens of your purpose. Paul was off the chain. Who else but the Apostle Paul, the artist formerly known as Saul, the man who wrote two thirds of your New Testament, the man who walked in power and confidence and authority? Paul was off the chain. Who else but Paul, that tenacious tent maker from Tarsus, that gospel globe charter that, that sat under the feet of Familial, this powerful, brilliant, mind, this ooh, serial killer turned church planter. I love that right there. Only God could do that to your resume right there. Take you from serial killer to church planter and Bible writer. I don't know what you came in with today, but can I tell you, please don't ever disqualify yourself from the purpose or plan of God. God is the only one. Oh, that can take somebody's life that is so broken, that is so messed up, that is so jacked up, and he can still get the glory out of your life. Because when God uses broken people, not Pinterest perfect people, but broken people, when he uses them, nobody can take the glory. Nobody can take the credit except for him. People will say that had to be because of the hand of God. Paul off the chain. You want to talk about unshakable? Let me start the series. Unshakable? This is the apostle Paul. He was unshakable. You could not stop his ministry everywhere he went. He was unstoppable, unshakable. They said, Paul, we're going to kill you. He said, that's cool because to die is gay. They said, all right then, Paul, all right then, Paul, we're going to let you live. He said, that's cool, too, because to live is Christ. They said, okay, then, Paul, we're going to make you suffer. He said, that's cool, too, because I already know that the present sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory of God that's going to be revealed on the inside of me. Paul. He's off the chain. When we get to him in our text today, he is with Silas in a prison. By now, he is on his second missionary journey. But you cannot appreciate the connection between Paul and Silas unless you back that thing up biblically <laughs> and study his connection with Barnabas. Paul was connected to Barnabas before Silas. Silas was his second pig. In fact if you go all the way to the first book of Acts it's interesting that after Judas, the original hater, <laughs> has betrayed Jesus, Peter stands up and before the Holy Spirit falls down, they have a church board meeting and they say, we got to replace this original hater that betrayed. And all of a sudden they pray, but they go Vegas. <laughs> and they start rolling dice <laughs> to see who's next. But that's the last time you will see this casting of lots. In the New Testament, after that moment, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and the Holy Spirit empowers men and women, then you'll hear this phrase, it seemed good to them and the Holy Spirit. No more lots. It seemed good to them and the Holy Spirit. To make this decision that should help somebody, especially who's been seeking God for direction that the Holy Spirit wants to give you Direction the Holy Spirit wants to guide and lead you it seemed good to them and the Holy Spirit and it seemed good to them to connect Paul and Barnabas ooh, Can you see them setting out on that first missionary journey Paul and Barnabas Paul ooh, and Barney <laughs> Paul and Barney setting now preaching the gospel Changing lives, planting churches. Paul and Barney. You see them going together? I love it. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit to call who? Paul and Barney. It seemed good to them and the Holy Spirit to connect, commission, and send Paul and together. I want to pause right there just for a moment to let you know that it did not seem good to them and the Holy Spirit to just send Paul. Or to just send Barnabas they were sent together as a matter of fact when jesus got ready to commission his disciples he sent them out not one by one but two by two what is God trying to teach us about his church. That if he's going to guide you into a destination, you will never go in isolation. That you always need community. You always need a Barney. I love you. You love me. We're a, yes, we are a happy family. There are no Lone Rangers in the kingdom of God. If you have a call on your life, he is going to put you in community with somebody. Look at Paul and Barney going together. Every Moses needs an Aaron. Every Elijah needs an Elisha. You need somebody. Don't tell them you got a call because you got a blue chick on your Instagram page and you're trying to do it by yourself. You need somebody. Batman needed Robin. Bert needed Ernie. Sonny needed Cher. I'm just trying to talk to everybody in here today. You need somebody. And here goes Paul and Barney connected. I love it because they were different. They were so different. Paul, he's a builder. Build. he built tents, built churches. Barney's an encourager. His name means son of encouragement. He's an encourager. I love two different personalities, a builder and an encourager setting out, building the church of the living God. The first journey went so well. Paul and Barney get together, and they're like, that was successful. Lives changed. People packed out in different campuses. Powerful. Let's do it again. Barney's like, yeah, I'm fine. Let's do it again. Let's go out again. Let's minister again. I said, great, great. And Barney goes, okay, great. I'll, I'll call John Mark, Paul, and we'll go. And Paul goes, oh, no, you won't. He's like, excuse me? He's like, oh no, we are gonna go on another missionary journey, but we are not taking your little cousin, John Mark. I will go with a whole lot of people, but I will not go with John Mark. Tell him to keep his little nappy head at home. We are not gonna do this again. It's in the Bible, Acts chapter 15, nappy head. It's in there, read it, read it, read it, read it. Uh, When you get to the crib. I mean, they got in this sharp disagreement over John Mark. They start arguing and fighting about it. He's like, there's no way he's gonna go with us. Paul's like, no, he deserted us. He deserted us at Pamphylia when we were out there. I got beat for this gospel and he walked away because he was seasick and couldn't handle the storms. No, 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 I am not taking him. And they're going back and forth. And I'll be honest with you, woo, I'm on Paul's side. I'm on Paul's side because I'm in a season of life as a church planner and builder. I want somebody that if you're with me, you are with me. I want somebody that's ready to roll. I want somebody that can take a licking and keep on ticking. I want somebody that can get her done. I want somebody that says if it starts at 7, I'm going to be there at 6 o'clock with refreshments. I mean, give me somebody that's passionate because I'm a builder. I'm on Paul's side, but oh, you got to be careful with Barney because he's the encourager and encourages, you need them too, but can you see Barney talking about, Paul, give him another chance. Didn't Didn't God give you another chance? Has somebody forgot that they used to murder people? Yeah, come on, give Give him another chance. Paul's like, "Ah, I can't do it. And hear me, they agreed to disagree. Acts chapter 15, there was no resolution. They just said, okay. Let's agree to disagree, you go your way, and I'll go mine. And watch this, the church of the living God still thrived. Paul picks up Silas, and Barnabas goes with John Mark. They disagreed, and they went their separate ways, and the church was still built. I'm wondering, do you demonize everybody that disagrees with you? This is the culture in which we live. We have lost the art of just civil discourse. Anybody that doesn't think like we think, look like we look, vote like we vote, we immediately demonize them and say, "Mm, God can't use them because they don't see it the way I see it. What if you just got two different views and two different opinions and God actually still has a plan for both of your lives, but you could actually get some spiritual maturity to say, let's just agree to disagree. But it's the trick of the enemy. It's the trick of the enemy to get you to demonize anybody that doesn't see it the way you see it. That doesn't have your vantage point. So they must be a hater. Because they don't see it how I see it. It's a trick of the enemy to get you to fall into the trap. But I'm telling you, God has this cool way of doing division but still multiplication. And the church was still built as they went their separate ways don't demonize somebody just because they see it differently than you. And can I tell you one more thing? You do know that God has the right to use somebody that has a different opinion than you. <laughs> I'm going to take it further. God reserves the right to use people that you don't like. <laughs> and he still has a plan and a call on their life. They go their separate ways. And Paul connects with Silas, They pick up Timothy on the way and now they're headed out on their journey. They go to Figria They go to Galatia and as they're traveling It says something in the text that up until this point we have not seen in the New Testament They got ready to go to the province of Asia modern-day Turkey and the Bible says the Holy Spirit forbid them to go and then they tried to go to Bithynia and again the Holy Spirit forbid them to go I'm annoyed (laughs) I'm annoyed because I'm trying to figure out why would the Holy Spirit forbid them from going to a place to preach the gospel I mean come on their motives are right They're setting out in the right direction? Why would the Holy Spirit essentially say, no, you can't go? That is annoying to me. I could understand if the Holy Spirit said no because they were going to sell drugs. (laughs) I could understand if the Holy Spirit said no because they were going to Krispy Kreme donuts. But why in the world would the Holy Spirit forbid you From going to go do something that you were called and assigned to do. This shows us how God guides us. That God didn't just guide us with yeses. But God will guide you with a no. Ooh, y'all don't want to hear that. A night three of prepare. I want to tell you that God doesn't always say yes. Sometimes he will guide you with a big old no. No, and I want to know can you trust God's no even when your motive was right? And even when you had a clear plan of the vision you're like God, I was gonna talk this much Why would you not start the business for me? Do you still trust God to shut a door? Or do you have a faith that only celebrates when he opens the door? If God always says yes to you, you might not be following God You might be following you Because I'm telling you, there are seasons where God will just say, no. Explanation, no. Just a no. I'm further annoyed because Dr. Luke is writing this, and Luke doesn't even tell us how the Holy Spirit forbid them to go. I'm like, Dr. Luke, I'm annoyed. Come on, you're a doctor. You're thorough. You can at least tell me how the Holy Spirit forbid them from going. I mean, come on, you spent your whole first chapter giving us baby daddy after baby daddy after baby daddy. Can you at least let us know? How did the Holy Spirit forbid? No, for real. How? How? Would the boat not start? What, what happened? How come they couldn't go? Did they do like church people do today and like make that face like you look like you're constipated like, mm, I don't know. I just got mm, I got a feeling. You know how you do. I don't know. <gasps> We don't know. All we know is that God said no, and I came to encourage somebody in this early season of the year to let you know that this will be a year where God will guide you with some yeses, but he'll also guide you with some no's. He'll also open some doors, and he'll also close some doors, but he wants to know can you trust him in the yes and the no? He wants to know if he orders your steps, can he order your stops, and you still give him praise because he is your shepherd, and he will always lead you to the place that you need to be is there anybody that's lived long enough to thank god for the no's in your life oh come on that's a praise break right there can anybody thank god for the doors that he didn't open for the dates that didn't call you back for the jobs that you lost and you got turned down from god doesn't just guide us with yeses he guides us with a no I don't know how God speaks to you. I really feel like I'm at home. I don't know how God speaks to you. But sometimes his no will be loud. Like sometimes it'll be loud, but then his yes will be quiet. And sometimes it'll be like, no! I'm like, oh, all right. (laughs) Won't do that. And then his yes will be like, yes. (laughs) Like, come again? Yes. I'm like, come again. He sounds like Minnie Mouse on the yes. I'm like, but but it's, it's something even about the quiet yeses. Or even being unsure. That makes you lean in close. That makes you go, wait a minute, what did I do? God, what's that? I don't know. Some of you don't even realize the lack of clarity right now is a gift. Because it's making you lean in to him and go, God, life is above my pay grade. And I need you to show me what the next step is. And get a no after no. What do you do when you keep getting no's? You wait clarity and boy did he get clarity Paul gets a vision of a man in Macedonia saying come help us Paul gets a vision of a man in Macedonia saying come help us and after that he's like "All right, the vision is clear we're setting sail to Macedonia don't you love in the moments where God gives you that clarity and he just speaks they set sail to Macedonia the problem is what was the vision of a man in Macedonia and when they pull up to Macedonia they run right into a women's Bible study <laughs> oh yeah whole group of ladies doing a Joyce Meyer Bible study and Paul's trying to figure out wait a minute <laughs> I thought I got a vision of a man in Macedonia why am I coming to a riverbank with a group of ladies you have to understand The fact that these ladies are gathering around this riverbank to worship is indicative of the fact that there was not even 10 men 10 Jewish men to have a synagogue Otherwise Paul would have gone straight to the synagogue There's not even 10 Jewish men in the city And he's having to pull up on a women's Bible study And he got clarity to come there Because he saw a man in Macedonia What do you do? What do you do when you got a clear Vision from God but you run into A reality that's contradictory To the vision that you got? Has anybody ever been in that place where it's like I got the vision it was clear and then you came you're like wait a minute this ain't what I saw (laughs) this is this is not it what do you do when it's contradiction between the vision and the reality I'll tell you what you do you stick to the mission you stick to the mission. You keep doing what you were called to do. Paul didn't run away. He got right to preaching. He said, what? Give me that George Meyer Bible study. Let me get a little, let me preach a little bit here. He starts preaching right there when it feels like What you are seeing in life is contradictory to the vision that you got. Don't walk away. Don't give up. Stick to the mission. Keep serving. Keep being faithful. Keep showing up. Oh, I'm so thankful we prayed for men tonight. God, give us a generation of men who will not quit, who God will give the passion and the grit and the stick-to-itiveness to to say, I'm not walking away. I'm going to stay, even if it's painful. Even if I have to learn how to communicate my emotions and it starts with a Hey, I was thinking. Start right there, but don't just walk away and quit. Paul just keeps teaching to the women's Bible study. And I'm so glad that he did. Because in that women's Bible study was a lady named Lydia who who was a baller and a shot caller. (laughs) She was a wealthy woman that sold purple cloth. She was a baller. She had wealth. She had money. Paul starts breaking down the gospel to her so much so she says, hey, I want you and your whole crew to come over to the house. Can you see Paul and Timothy and Silas going to Lydia's house? She had her own house. Can you see them walking into this big old mansion going, I need to sell some purple cloth. This... It's unbelievable. They're sleeping in Lydia's house, a little comfortable, down feather bed. I mean, they're taking laps in Lydia's infinity pool. I mean, it's just a wonderful thing. How many are glad that there is a blessing to obedience when you just obey what God told you to do? There is a blessing. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm a living witness. God has blessing on the other side of obedience. Right when they're having a good time, swimming, laps in Lydia's pool they leave there to stay on mission and they're preaching and they go out and preach and one day while they're preaching all of a sudden the lady in the back stands up in the middle of the message these men are servants of the most high God they come to show us the way of salvation Paul's like thank you Can can I finish my sermon day two he preaches Lady stands up again. These men are servants of the most high God. they come to show us the way of salvation. All right, heard it yesterday. <laughs> can, can I finish my message? Day three. These men are servants of the most high God. Day four. These men are servants of the most high Day five. These men are servants of the are... Day 30. He's like, silence. If you don't take her out, I'm going to take her out. This is getting ridiculous. These <laughs> men. Day 55. I don't know. I don't know how long it happened. I know it happened for a long time. I know it happened for a long time. I'll prove it to you in text. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 18. It says, And this she kept up for many days. (laughs) (laughs) These manner servants of the most high. I kept doing it until finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he looked at her but he did not speak to her the Bible says he spoke to the Spirit and said in the name of Jesus I command you to come out oh this is interesting to me because she was saying the right things they were servants of the Most High God and they did come to show the way of salvation but because Paul is full of the Holy Spirit he does not just have the Holy Spirit's empower man he also has the Holy Spirit's discern man to know that you're saying the right thing but it's coming from the right wrong heart it's coming from the wrong spirit so I'm not even going to address you I'm going to speak to the spirit and say in the name of Jesus I command you to come out I don't know who I'm talking to tonight but some of you have been speaking to circumstances and speaking to things you need to start speaking to the spirit speak to that spirit of the and say, this is my year to have my joy. Speak to that spirit of anxiety and say, God will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on him. Speak to the spirit. This woman gets deliverance, and this woman gets set free. And how many are glad our God still delivers today? <clears throat> Worship team, join me girl gets set free, but her liberation had some ramifications for Paul and Silas, because she had a spirit that caused her to tell people's fortunes, and she was owned by a master, and when they realized that their profit was gone, they got upset and caused the mob to beat Paul and Silas. I wanna pause right there and tell somebody, even on the third day of this incredible, incredible prepare, deliverance has happened. Breakthrough has happened. For some of you, such healing has happened. But can I tell you, not everybody is gonna be excited about your healing. There are some people that are the beneficiaries of your brokenness. So they don't want you home because they want you to keep coming back. They were not excited that this woman got freedom. And they took out their anger on Paul and Silas. They got stripped, whipped, beaten, over and over again. You have to understand that even in Jewish custom, they would only whip you 39 times lest somebody in their rage lose count but in this province there was no restriction they could beat you until you were lifeless they could beat you until they got tired and Paul and Silas not only get whipped and beaten they're thrown in the most inner part of a prison It's a dungeon, and it's dark, and blood is coming from their face, open wounds and lacerations on their body, and perhaps the most painful part is not just the wounds in the back, it's that their obedience got them there. This is what nobody talks about in the church. We love to shout about when our obedience gets us lapsed in Lydia's pool. But what happens when your obedience gets you in a dark place? What happens when your obedience puts you in the inner prison and you did the right thing and you're going, God, I'm in here because of you. You told me to preach this gospel and this is what I get. What do you do? when your obedience got you in a dark place, and I don't know who this is for today, but maybe you are in that inner prison and your obedience got you there and it makes no sense and maybe you can't even verbalize it, but if you're honest, you are so annoyed because you're trying to tell God I did the right thing. I can understand God if I did something wrong, but how in the world could I be this faithful and be a good wife and my husband still left me? How can I raise my kids in the house of the Lord? We did scriptures. We did scriptures every single night. I did what you told me to do, but now they're turning away from faith. Now my child is addicted. I was the one that used to pray for other people's children. What do you do when your obedience has got you in a dark place? I'll tell you what you should not do. Please don't walk away. Please don't give up. I'm telling you, God can show up in the darkest places. As a matter of fact, sometimes the darker the dungeon, the brighter the glory of God can shine in that moment. Please don't give up just because you're in a dark place. I've heard preachers all my life preach this text and everybody shouts because they say at midnight they started praising God I've preached it with an organ and everything Lord midnight give them a praise but Paul and Silas didn't know it was midnight when you're in a dark place in the dungeon in the innermost part of the cell you don't know what time it is This is Luke writing about this. They didn't know what time it was. It wasn't like they were in the prison going, "All right, I think if we praise right now, he's going to show up. I think if we just get, that's not what they were doing. They were not praising God for deliverance. You know what they were doing? They were praising God out of devotion. And if you really want to see God do incredible things, don't just give him three days and prepare. You ought to give him every single day of this year when you get to a place, oh, I feel God's presence, where you don't just praise him because you want something, but you praise him because that He's worthy of the glory. So God, I praise you when it's sunshine. I praise you when it's rain. I praise you at Lydia's house. And I praise you in the prison because you are worthy of the honor and the glory. Oh, I want somebody in this place to do it. Would you just open up your mouth and give God the best praise that you got? Oh, that's where the miracle is. The miracle is in your mouth. Standing, I'm done. Watch this. Whoa. See, the enemy isn't smart because he doesn't even know what to attack and what to do in your life. It was their mouth that got them in trouble. The enemy thinks he's got you pinned in because he beat you up. And because he put your hands and your feet in chains, he's not even smart enough to know that if you really want to shut me down, you better put a muzzle on my mouth. Because whenever I open up my mouth, oh, that's where God has to step in the situation. He inhabits. He makes himself at home in the praises of his people came to tell you milestone don't you lose your praise in the dark place don't you lose your worship in the dark place that's where God shows up let me calm down I said I was gonna talk calmly I'm sorry for yelling sir God's looking for a church especially in these dark days that we are in and the darker days that are encroaching you've got to get beyond just praising when you get in a tight spot, or oh, worshiping, just because you're like, "Well, they're giving a raise next week. I guess I'll come to milestone this weekend." Oh, I got a bad doctor's report. I guess I'll, I'll get in the word now. No, no, no. In the dark places, that's what's. Whenever what is in you will come out. And I can see Paul and Saga's going. Phew. We praised in Lydia's lap pool wouldn't we praise right now? And they started worshiping. The foundation of the prison was shaken. That not only their chains got loose, everybody's chains in the prison got loose. Oh I wish you would praise like you knew. Sir, what your praise would do for your children's children's children. Man, what you knew, what that praise would do for the generational curse that's trying to come up in your family. I'm telling you, there is power in my praise. My praise is affecting areas and places that I'm not even in. I'm telling you, everybody's changed. Got broken and loose. This is the part that confused me. It's because if I praise God, and the foundation of a prison is shaken, and all the doors get open. I don't need a prophetic word to know what to do then. I don't need a word of knowledge <laughs> to know what to do. If I praise God, and the chains come off and the doors open, oh my goodness, you ain't gonna tell me what to do. I am God. They didn't go. stayed stayed so long that the jailer who pulls out a sword to kill himself because he thinks like all hope is gone just like maybe somebody in here tonight are watching online and you don't even know why you can't turn off and you're looking at me preaching you're like why? You're you're watching this because God wanted you to see this just like that jailer All hope was gone. Maybe you feel like that because he knew that it was his responsibility to watch all those prisoners, and if just one got loose, they would kill him. So rather than wait for them to do it, he said, I'll do it myself. He was about to make the mistake and I want to speak to somebody that the enemy is trying to put in your mind thoughts of suicide trying to make you think that this life would be better or this world would be better if you were gone that is a lie from the enemy you don't have a clue what God's gonna do in your life this year just got started I'm not saying last year wasn't bad but don't you dare give up don't you dare take your life God has so much more for you in fact that you're still here means he's not done you just still breathing means he has a purpose I'm telling you don't do it don't do it that's what Paul said he said don't do it we're all here don't do it it's not as dark as it looks don't do it and he stops and this Philippian jailer gets saved his whole family gets saved and I don't know pastor is a brilliant biblically astute communicator and I don't want to bring my own presupposition to any passage of scripture but I'm just wondering if maybe the reason Paul couldn't leave that jail is because that jailer maybe looked a lot like the man Macedonia saying come help us Please understand up until this point all he's run into is women as soon as he got there it's a women's bible study as soon as he gets from there he goes to lydia's house and that's a lady and then he goes and preaches and he sets a slave girl free the first man that we see in the text is this man that's about to take his i wonder if that man looked a lot like the man that he got the vision and paul got a revelation wait a minute i came here for you that's why i had to go through what I went through. Oh, I don't want to get whipped and beaten, but I'm telling you, it was worth it for you. Oh, can I give you the rest of my title? I told you I'm annoyed, but can I give you the rest of my title? I'm annoyed, but I'm assigned. I'm annoyed, but I'm assigned. In other words, you were worth me getting whipped and beaten. That whole family got transformed. Somebody who's going through an annoyance right now The annoyance will make sense when you realize the assignment I'm telling you you're looking at the wounds and the pain in your body You're not looking at the fact that there's an assignment on your life I'm not saying you're not going through the motel I am pulling from my Nigerian daddy and saying It's just one night Weeping endures for a night, but joy will come in the morning. I don't know when morning will come But I'm telling you it's coming I'm gonna ask every head be bowed eyes be closed You're assigned you're assigned Hear me, Pastor, you're assigned to that city. You're assigned to those people. Don't you let the annoyance make you walk away when you are assigned. Father, tonight on this last night, we step into this year realizing that there is a divine assignment on our lives. You foreknew us and predestined our purpose and our call. Lord, don't let us let the annoyances pull us away from the assignment. Lord, tonight I speak over this house: strength, resolve, and resilience. Circumstance to the lens of their purpose. Hear me, Mom, you're assigned to those children. Dad, you're assigned to that family. Don't let the enemy make the annoyance so loud that you walk away from the assignment. Who knew that the Holy Spirit blocking a trip here and there? showing up to a women's Bible study when you got a vision of a man in Macedonia, to preaching the gospel to a slave girl gets set free and then you get whipped and beaten for it. Who knew that that would be the birth of the church in Philippi that Paul would later write to saying, oh, joy comes to my mind when I think of you. is going through something right now. It won't even make sense until later. But don't let the annoyance stop you from the assignment. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this place today. If you'd be so honest to say, Pastor Robert, I know this word is for me. And maybe the annoyance has been louder than the understanding of the assignment. But tonight... You say, I need that fresh strength that can only come from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to stick to the assignment. That's you. Would you just lift up your hand high enough and long enough to where I can sing it? Thank you, Jesus. Wow, hands, hands going up all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just lift it up. Come on. That's a whole lot of hands. But worship team, can we sing that? When I open up my mouth, start breaking out and as they sing this with your hands raised right there I just want you to receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit this is your year for empowerment for discernment come on come on receive it tonight thank you Jesus come on the power is in your praise just begin to declare it today Thank you, Jesus. Miracles breaking Thank you for miracles tonight. Come on, you're getting your authority back tonight. Jesus
0: has given me. And
1: tonight knowing you have conquered it all and we don't even have to fight for our victory Lord we're fighting from victory because you already defeated it all Lord it gives us perspective in the midst of the pain gives us perspective in the midst of the trial Lord we won't just praise you for the deliverance Although we know you are able and willing to do it, but Lord, we will praise you out of devotion because you're worthy in a mansion. You're worthy in a one-bedroom apartment. You're worthy in a promotion. You are worthy in the unemployment line. You are worthy. Oh, God, we will not allow our circumstance to dictate our praise. Come on! Our praise this year is going to dictate our circumstance. Oh, we will give you the glory and the honor because we're assigned. Father, this year would you help us to be more in tune with the assignment, the the annoyance <laughs> we're called for such a time as this? I want to do one more thing with heads bowed and eyes closed. There would. Be remiss of me to not give somebody an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. Honestly, I love this season because everybody's making all their resolutions. They're great, but they're gonna break them by the 15th. But what an awesome thing to know that there truly can be a new you. And it has absolutely nothing to do with your record Or your works, or your effort, but everything to do with the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that tonight, whether you're in this room, How's It, McKinney, watching online, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you can be saved. So funny, the jailer asked the question, what must I do? Great question, but that's... Actually, a lot of our problems, we're trying to do something to earn the powers of what is in, what has been already been done for you. And you just have to receive. So with heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, if you'd be so honest, say, Pastor Robert, I need to give my life to Jesus. You don't have to fix yourself or get yourself together. You can't get yourself together. That's why you need a Savior. So if that's you, I don't care if it's just one person, You'll be worth it. You say, tonight's my night to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand high enough and long enough to where I could see it to say, today's the day, today's the day. I surrender all to you, Jesus. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, God. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Can we pray this prayer as one big family just before Pastor Jeff comes? I'm gonna give you the words, but you say it from your heart. In fact, let's say it as one big family tonight. Just say this, say, Jesus, I need you. I cannot do life without you. Thank you so much for living the life that I was supposed to live and dying the death that I was supposed to die. You took my place. So my response is to surrender. Make me brand new. From this moment forward, I'm walking with you, called and assigned in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus,
0: please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.